This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 62 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Extreme Horsewoman Update. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. Equestrian Collections brings a whole universe of equestrian shopping to your fingertips. Visit equestriancollections.com. Welcome to the Stable School, where weekly shows delivered right to you. With Helena and Glenn the Geek, live from the stable, it's every week. They'll bring you the news through hell, hot water, while using their tails as their own fly spotters. So sit on down and laugh till your poop, cause it's time again for Stable Scoop. Stable Scoop. Stable Scoop. This is Glenn the Geek. And this is Helena B. And you're listening to the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Well, hi, Helena. Hello, Glenn. How are you? Okay. Well, you know, we we, we put out a show last week, but uh, I was really off in Las Vegas at a convention for new media people from around the country. So it it seems like I was gone longer than a week, though. Doesn't it seem like longer than we've that we've talked? It, it does. It does. You were at the the Geek convention. <laughs> yeah, this was geeky. I'll talk a little bit about it, but I wanted to first mention what we have coming up today. We're, mm-hmm. so, we're so excited because we're doing, remember back on episode 30, it was on March 13th, we did a show called Extreme Horsewomen. And we had three great horsewomen on the show uh, that, were, that also did other extreme things outside of horses like that wasn't extreme enough. Right. <laughs> yeah, so, so, but they also did other extreme stuff. Well, we have two of those women coming back with us today to give us updates on how their year is going. Hmm. Uh, we have Liz Halliday with us, who is the professional race car driver, the Le Mans driver, and from uh, she's uh, located in England, and she's also an eventer. And she, if you remember right, she had some horses going three star level, and and was hoping to to do some cool things. So we'll get an update on her uh, horse career and her driving career for this year. It's it's now ending over in England. Eventing is rounding up. They think they have one or two more, and then then it's pretty much over for the year over there. And I know that the that that particular style of driving was was over too. You can go back if you'd like to listen to them in order and missed them. Go back to episode thirty at stablescoop.com on and it was uh, put out on March the thirteenth. It's called Extreme Horsewomen, and you can listen to to their original interviews, and then you could you can listen to, come back and listen to today's interviews and see you know you can get them in order that way. It, it, I think it'd be kind of interesting for everybody to do that, even if you heard it before. And then the second one we have with us today is uh, California Highway Patrol Officer and Endurance Rider, Cassandra DiMaggio. Uh, We'll check in with her to see how her endurance riding season has gone this year out there in California. She's a California Highway Patrol Officer. We thought that was dangerous enough. Uh, (laughs) But, you know, we also, you know, you and I have done a couple shows now with endurance riders throughout the year. Those guys are just nuts. I mean... You know, well, 100 miles on a horse in one day is just pretty much crazy to begin with. Yeah, and the, the fact that they do these other jobs and other things that are equally, if not more crazy. I, I mean, I, I'm speechless. I don't even know what to say. How do you how do you mentally handle that kind of pressure? Right. 
Exactly. I mean, you put it on yourself. It's fun. Obviously, it's a thrill. It's an adrenaline rush. I mean, I get that. But I would be a mess. <laughs> I would be a blubbering mess. Going from a highway patrol job to, you know, a 100-mile race? No way. Well, you know, they just had the uh, last week here in Kentucky, they just had the test event for endurance here at the Kentucky Horse Park. How'd that go? Uh, for, that was a test event for the World Equestrian Games next year. It poured all day. I mean torrential rains oh. all day, and it was a mess. A lot of them had to pull out, and it was, <clears throat> it was a mess. Uh, so, but they, they, they have to ride anyway, no matter what the weather. And they did, Now, they did cut the 100-mile race back to 75 miles because the track was getting so beat up. Oh, I did hear that. I did hear that. What, um, but is that true even for the World Equestrian Games? Is that do they have to ride anyway because it was a test event or um, well, is that see, just the nature what of endurance riding? Is because they cut it back, it will not be a qualifier. So they're going to have to go to other events to qualify, which a lot of them were upset with. Wow! Uh, so it really did really mess them up this year having that cut back. But apparently they were just so afraid the track was getting slick and there were falls and you know they did it for the benefit of the horses and it was the right thing to do. Course. You know, but some of the riders have to now they have to go to another event to qualify. So so that was tough for some of the riders. And, and there were twenty one countries represented with ninety five riders. So wow. every, everybody was coming in to see it. They all wanted to see it, you know, get a look at it before they, they hopefully, you know, qualify and ride here next year. So that was yeah. kind of kind of kind of an interesting day. I was not here. I was in ninety five degree weather in Las Vegas. My co host Samantha <laughs> was in the pouring down rain, forty degrees. Um, and she kept texting me, you better not tell me it's nice out there. (laughs) (laughs) You knew better not to even call me. (laughs) (laughs) We wanted to mention here real quick, and then I do want to talk just a tiny bit about what I experienced out there, because I know we've learned that we do, you know, we... My name's Glenn the Geek here on on the network because I'm a little bit geeky, and we've learned through the emails that we've gotten that we have quite a few geeky followers. Uh, they're not just horse people, but they're a little bit of geek too. Yeah, they're into computers and you know new media and all that stuff. So I'll talk a little bit about it. But um, we wanted to mention the contest that we have going on now through the end of the month. We started this, if you remember correctly, uh, two weeks ago when we did the uh, episode about fall and winter clothing with Equestrian Collections. And we have, uh, remember, Helena, we have a Mountain Horse Ladies Arena jacket we're giving away in a giveaway. Mm-hmm. We have a horseware, a horseware New Market Human Throw rug. That's uh, in the yellow and red colors, like the New Market rugs. Only this is for your couch and for you. And, and a Mountain Horse Unisex Ultra Socks. So we have a couple hundred dollars worth of stuff that we're giving away. We're going to do the drawing uh, on Halloween Day, so sign up by then. Just go to StableScoop.com and follow the banner in the middle of the page. It's easy. It's free. You just put your name and, and your information in there. We'll pick a winner, and we'll announce it in the show after that. And we want to thank Equestrian Collections for doing that. Equestrian Collections, you know, has the whole universe of shopping at their fingertips. For all of your fall and winter needs, we had, we, we're asking you to go to equestriancollections.com and take a look. They have hundreds of items. And we went over some of them. If you missed that episode a couple weeks ago, go back and take a listen. We went over a bunch of those items, uh, especially the mountain horse items. Yeah. Uh, we had fun, you know, you and I. That show went long because we just love talking about stuff. <laughs> and they have good stuff. Mountain Horse, I think, is a great brand. They make great things. I, I know. I, I think I need a new pair of Mountain Horse boots, in fact. I'm kind of bummed I can't register for those uh, giveaways because, you know, that jacket was pretty sweet. 
It is nice. It's a $145 jacket. And the blanket and the socks. I mean, I could use all three of those things. Well, you can you can win them just by going to stablesuit.com, and you can buy all that stuff for a great price. They have great prices over at Equestrian Collections. So you can just hop on over to equestriancollections.com. And don't forget, they, they hit a milestone this week, and this leads into my next uh, just a little bit of a conversation about my week last week in Las Vegas. They, they, you know what they say, you know, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Well, I'll just tell you a little bit about the conference. Unless um, you're Glenn McGeek. <laughs> So, so uh, stop on over to their Facebook page, uh, your fan page over there. Just go to Facebook and search Equestrian Collections. They have they just went over ten thousand fans. Uh, wow! They're, they're adding almost a thousand fans a week, um, and you know those people love Equestrian Collections for a reason. There's and there's great conversations going on over on their fan page. It's a wonderful place to shop. It's a wonderful place to hang out. So hang out on their Facebook page. You'll like it. People are putting up pictures of their horses, and there's just whole conversations. We put all our shows up over there. Uh, it's, it's just a lot of fun. So check them out at equestriancollections.com. So I was at what was called Blog World, a New Media Expo. It is the annual event where all the bloggers from around the world get together and all the podcasters and new media people get together. And I was there a couple of years ago when podcasting first started, when we had our first show. And it's changed a lot now. There's just, there's thousands of people instead of hundreds. It used to be just a small pocket of us. Mm-hmm. But this year, there were many, many more people coming from five, Fortune 500 companies and, and corporations around the world trying to figure out how to do new media. What do they do with Twitter? What do they do with Facebook? What do they do with all these things? And how do they do it successfully? And it was very interesting to meet some of these people, you know, from big companies, Ford and, you know, uh, the auto companies and, and just, you know, big companies from all different areas, uh, really trying to take a look at what to do. And, you know, I pitied some of these people because they're really running in. You worked for big corporations before, Helena. I did, especially those that were um, during the, the dot-com boom when new media was, new technologies, new medias were, you know, took off. Right. So a lot of my clients were Fortune 500 companies saying, help us, how do we, you know, how do we get a handle on this new media? And interestingly, it's always the, the early adopters, you know, the, the little guy who finds this, or develops the new media or the new technology and then puts it to good use. And then, you know, they're a day late and a dollar short, but the big companies, um, they always kind of get there after the fact. Well, and the other problem I've le- I learned over this conference, talking to the people who, and, you know, we both worked for big companies before, and I'm saying this, the reason I'm bringing this up is I know that we have many people who own companies, who own horse companies and other companies that listen to the show. And one of the mistakes that big companies make is they always assume you have to have a return on investment for everything you do. Mm-hmm. Everything has to have that direct return on investment. Well, new media is not that way anymore. It's really blurring the lines. And, you know, what, what, what was really brought out at this conference is there's not a direct return on investment on everything you do. If you're a big corporation expecting that, forget it. Because if they go into Twitter or they go into Facebook and all they do is promote, 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 and don't develop any conversation, mm-hmm. then they fail. Because nobody's interested. Nobody wants that. They can get that in their ads. You know, they can go to the website and get that. Right, right. So that's what was coming out. Yet these people are still running into that at these big corporations. They're still having fighting that battle. You know, and they've been hired to do this, and they're, they're having their hands tied. But what we found is companies like Equestrian Collections, who has this fan page over at Facebook, where there's all these conversations going on and where she promotes very little. 
are really becoming the new companies of the future. And, you know, she may not be able to find a direct return on investment on that, but I guarantee you there's a return on investment. Well, it's meaningful because it's it's just like anything old school. What you learn in Sales 101 is develop a relationship, either, you know, get to know people. And that's you buy from your neighbors. You buy from your neighbors, but you have to get to know people. And new media is a way to develop new relationships or it's new ways of developing relationships. And that's what Chris at Equestrian Collection is doing is she's not only creating a relationship between her company and her customers, but – among her customers as well. well. And so you, sorry, go ahead. But no, you're, you're absolutely right. But you have to be so confident in that you're doing such a terrific job that you are confident to allow your customers to talk to each other. And so many companies are afraid of that. Right. But then again, if you have that relationship, it's two ways. If she, the, um, the social media is allowing her to get feedback directly from her customers. So she can then tailor her business based on what she's hearing. Exactly. So she's yeah. so her company is going to work smarter and more efficiently. Exactly, and I, you know, we're just using her as an example because she's a prime example. She right. a, a company that is doing it correctly. A horse company, no less. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. And there's so many. I mean, really big companies out there that have no clue, and they're they they're just starting to get into it. So it was very interesting, and we also we'll have some new things that I learned that we're going to try and put in place here at the Horse Radio Network. Some other fun stuff that's coming out in new media that we're we'll be the leaders in. Uh, you know, we're the leaders in radio, so we'll be also the leaders in a couple of other things coming down to Pike uh, that I'm very excited about that I learned there that I haven't even had a chance to talk to you about yet. So Yeah, I'm <laughs> talk about a day late and a dollar short. That would be me. <laughs> All right, great. Well, you know, I think we probably should get to our guests. I think we probably bored people with uh, business talk long enough. Uh, let's talk about horses in there. Let, let's, uh, why don't you introduce our first guest here today? The first guest to join us today is California Highway Patrol officer and endurance rider Cassandra DiMaggio. Cassandra is an avid endurance rider and is doing very well, as proven by her second place showing at the infamous Tevis. Is it Tevis or Tevis? It's Tevis Cup. Tevis Cup. Okay. It tells you how much I know about endurance riding. (laughs) She is also the organizer of the Patriot's Day Ride in Northern California, and we're going to let her explain to us exactly what the Patriot's Day Ride is, because that sounds kind of exciting. So welcome to Cassandra. Well, hi, Cassandra, and welcome back to the Stable Scoop Show. It's, uh, you were on episode 30 on, in, back in March, which doesn't seem like that long ago, but it, it has been quite a while. Yes, time flies. Well, first I want to ask you about your, your extreme job. Are you still, uh, still working for the California Highway Patrol? I am. I'm still patrolling in Greenville, California. Not much has changed there? Nope, nope. Everything's the same. Just the Except season. now I'm by myself. I don't have a partner anymore. Oh, is that due to budgetary cutbacks? or? No, he transferred and um, hasn't been replaced yet. Ah, okay. Do they like to have you go out with partners in California, or or is that a rare thing? Well, partners at nighttime. He's my partner in the resident post, as in I work day shift, he works night shift. Ah, gotcha. Does so that mean you're working both shifts? No, I just work <laughs> the one shift, but I'm on call every night, and uh, so I'm the only one assigned to this area. Wow. Well, that stinks for your family's benefit, huh? <laughs> well, luckily, we don't get a whole lot of call-outs, and it just is so everybody, I've been here so long, everybody knows me, and 
Well, we should remind people, too, that you're in rural California, aren't you? Extremely yeah. rural. <laughs> in, the, in the mountains. and there's, I think we only have about 1,000 people in Indian Valley. Well, you know them all. I do. I do. <laughs> do they know you're the wacky horse girl police officer? They do. Actually, it's, it's kind of neat being in the small town. They follow uh, my riding, and they ask me how I'm doing, and... They know my horses, and so it, it's kind of neat. And anytime I go to bed or do anything of interest, they'll put it in a little paper, and it's kind of <laughs> funny. You're, you're their token California Highway Patrol officer slash endurance yes. rider. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, with that, with the Patriots Day ride factor that we put on, I also try and bring people to the community, and that helps bring money and um, so tell, support in that regard. Tell me uh, what's happened. Uh, what what what's your season been like since March? Well, I went to the Hawaii, I think it's Fandango ride in Idaho, and was able to get my COC uh, three star hundred mile competition on chip, which was my goal. So that turned out well. And then I was debating on whether I would take him in the ride that I was managing, the ERC Championship ride, which was also a three-star event. But I decided it would be too difficult to manage the ride and ride in it. And I really wanted to put on the best championship possible. So instead, I ended up riding Tevis, which I pledged I wouldn't do, but I couldn't help myself. Yeah, you had to do it, didn't you? <laughs> I ended up taking poor Chip and uh, Tevis, so. And how'd and he that did go? really well. It, it worked out great. I mean, I just, I had a goal to just set our own pace, which was going to be, you know, kind of easy. I didn't want to, I didn't want to put speed in the factor, and I didn't know, I mean, Tevis is its own animal. I didn't know if he was a Tevis first, so. We kept a conservative pace and just through natural attrition, and he was he was so good about eating and drinking and really taking care of himself. We ended up fish, finishing third or thirteenth, sorry, seeing there was a group of three of us that came in eleven thirteen. So I was thrilled. I wasn't expecting to come in that close. Well, tell us about Chip. Chip is eight years old. I've had him for two and a half years. I got him when he was six, and he had been broke to ride at that age. So um, I haven't. I've been trying to bring him up slowly with that in mind. Is he um, a full Arab? He is a full Arab. He's just about sixteen hands. Um, he is of a. Well, he's a big race. guy, huh? He's sure. huge. Yeah. He's a dark bay or chocolate bay. He's out of a racing um, Arabian line. El Mokhtar was his great-grandsire. I believe he was in um, the Black Stallion Returned. Oh, okay. Kind of fun <laughs> trivia. I, I, you know, I, I Googled his his lineage. And then he's, his dam side is Bezatol. And so next year will be his third season. So I'm hoping to start putting some speed on him about midway through the season. Well, there you go. Uh, so, so uh, is he? Do you think he's going to be your uh, the the horse, or? Well, I'm hoping so. It's, yeah. it's looking that way. He's. I mean, he did so great at Tevis for me, 
yeah, I never had to worry about, you know, if he was taking care of himself and good recoveries and, um, we should say for everybody's benefit that hasn't heard of Tevis, Tevis is one of the most difficult um, and, and, as you said, unique um, endurance rides in the United States uh, held in California in, in a very barren... Uh, you don't see a lot of green on that ride, do you? Um, not really. It's, yeah, it's mostly mountain and rocky. There are a lot of trees, you know, especially towards the latter half. Um is and every year it keeps getting more and more difficult and the trail is really treacherous in some locations. It's quite a challenge. Uh, Would you say it's the it's the most challenging of the courses here in the United States? Absolutely. Yeah. How many yes. do you know how many started this year at Tevis? It was about 175. Wow. It keeps growing, doesn't it? And what's it, it does and what's interesting about the Tevis unlike any other ride the the start is always kind of chaotic and it's got better they've they've done a system that's called pens but um still you know most rides especially 100 mile ride riders start off conservatively they pace their horse but Tevis they just they just blast off and they take off and <laughs> so it's really hard to control your horse and and set a realistic pace in the beginning. And this is just a free-for-all, right? Everybody starts at the same time. It's like a road run race. It it is, but it has gotten better. The pen system is you have to qualify to get in the front pen. Oh, okay, so they stagger start them a little bit anyway? Yes, they do. But still, I mean, still it's like people kind of lose their mind a little bit (laughs) (laughs) and the horses can feel the excitement riders can feel the excitement and um so what ends up happening is and what happened with chip and i is all these riders that were just screaming by us in the beginning you know you end up passing them well sure i mean it is 100 miles it is it does take what eight to 12 hours so (laughs) (laughs) it's like a you know it's like a nascar race you really don't need to be leading the first lap no absolutely not it's yeah, it's it's never good if you're, if you're in the top ten coming into Robinson. So so you did that, and um, how did you you also help organize a ride in in Northern California? And how did that go this year? That's the Patriots Day ride, correct? Yes, the Patriots Day ride. We've hosted that since two thousand and four, and this year we were chosen as the ERC National Championship. Uh, ride site. Okay. So um, I've been gearing up that for two years, and so after Tevis, I I let Chip have the rest of the year off and started really focusing on the championship ride, and that was also an FEI ride, a three star FEI and a one star FEI, and it went fantastic. I mean, the, the weather couldn't be better. We had a huge turnout. I was told by the AERC president it was one of the largest turnouts they've had in years. Wow. And on the West Coast in many, many years. And we had riders all the way from Canada and one from Japan, a rider as far as Illinois. And um, it was amazing. And you wouldn't believe how fast these riders went. It was It was shocking compared to previous you know, I compare it to the previous riders at Patriots Day ride, and I was amazed. But we still had a, a for a hundred mile ride. I believe we had a forty, a thirty percent completion, or I'm sorry, 
60 plus percent completion rate between 60 and 70 percent. Wow, that's pretty good. Which is high for a championship ride, too. Yeah. And it's now where you are in Northern California, where you hold this ride, is it more wooded, uh, more forest like, or than let's say the Tevis Cup, which is pretty barren, rocky mountain? It's it's somewhat similar. Um, there are no, you know, cliff side drop offs. I mean, where there is a, a drop off, you know, we have about a ten to twelve foot trail, so it's not it's not treacherous or dangerous like Tevis, but you've got a lot of good mountain climbs. You can see views from most of the trail. Um, we have some a couple of beautiful lakes you'll see on the trail and but yeah, it's there's a lot of woods and a couple meadows. So when you're when you're doing a ride like this, hundred mile ride and you're in tent and you're in a competition, do you really take time to look at the views or are you just going by? Oh, I do. Do you? Okay. <laughs> I don't know about other riders, but um, I'm in awe every time I do Tevis. And I, at any ride, it's, I mean, that's why I love endurance. You know, I used to do the arena stuff, but, you know, now it, it's just, it's so wonderful to be competitive out on the trail and see some of the most beautiful scenery. Well, you, um, you, you, congratulations on the Patriots Day ride. Sounds like that was a huge yeah. success, and I know what it's like to organize large events like that. It's, uh, it gets to be, it, it makes uh, everything else look minor when you're trying to run an event that has that many rides, and 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 when you got the FEI involved, that's a whole new element, and it just, it just, uh, congratulations. Uh, it sounds like it was great. You know, you had a better weather than they did here at the Kentucky Horse Park last week for the test event for the World Equestrian Games. Uh, yes, and I, I followed that closely because a, a good majority of the riders that came to the championship ride went to Kentucky and, and competed there. So, um, Well, it just poured. I mean, just came down by the bucketfuls all day long. Mud every just and you know this is a pretty good. They they had a very grassy ride through Kentucky. You know we're we're known for a little bluegrass and farms and everything. Very pretty ride they had, but it just got slick as could be just with the volume of inches of rain we had, and everything was wet. And I know the horses were starting to get a little agitated. And then after the second loop, uh, when they came into the vet checks, they called it and said that they were going to drop it from a hundred to seventy five miles. Right. Which also means it's not a qualifier. Um, no. A lot of people went there hoping to get... Yeah, so now they're going to have to do another ride, which was kind of disappointing. But, you know, the winners even said in the press conference that they didn't even think the horses were going to be able to finish this, that it was probably good they did, because it was that getting that slick and treacherous. Uh, they, had a, they did have a 48% completion, apparently, Um yeah, there was a pretty dramatic pull rate, but and then so that says a lot about the horses that did finish. I mean, that it was right. incredibly challenging. So yeah, apparently, you know, and when you have Jan Worthington, who's what sixty nine years old, been doing this forever, um, came in third, and she said this was one of the toughest rides she's ever had, and she almost got hit by lightning in uh, Malaysia, or wherever <laughs> last year at the World Cup. So at the World Championship. Right. So, I mean, for her to come out and say that, that means it was pretty challenging. <laughs> so. Yes. I, Elroy Carius from Canada came to our ride and been keeping in touch with him by email, and he's hoping to make the Canadian team. 
and he sent a detailed description of his ride. He did the he did the hundred mile okay. from the start to the finish, and I felt like I was looking over his shoulder, <laughs> you know, watching him ride. It, it was incredible to hear him tell the story about how difficult it was and how exhausted the horses were at the end. Um, ankle, he said, hawk deep mud in some locations. Yes, it was it was pretty bad. <laughs> so. Um, now, yeah, do you have any a, hopes for World Equestrian Games? Do you have any horses that? Uh, well, might... I'm, you know, I'm hoping for Chip to to at least get qualified. You know, we're still a long way off, but you never know if I can keep him healthy and keep plugging away. We've got three rides that we're going to go to. I have another horse that I'm trying to bring up as well. So, um, you know, if not next, there's always the next games. Um, but that is my goal. I'm still chugging away at that and i'm either going to be there as a rider a crew member or volunteer one way or the other all right well then we'll definitely see you there because as you know we do the world of question games radio show as well so uh yeah. we look forward to seeing you over here well it's been great getting caught up with you again uh con- congratulations on your year and and congratulations yeah. give chip a hug for us and, <laughs> and uh on the patriots day ride as well and and uh keep everybody safe there in northern california okay Absolutely. All right, Cassandra, thanks a lot. All right. Thank you so much. Our next guest has been with us before, as Glenn and I have mentioned. 30-year-old Liz Halliday is a woman who certainly likes speed and danger. She's involved in two of the most dangerous sports there are. On the horse side, she's an eventer who's competed at the three-star level and has hopes to go to the Olympics one day. On the professional race car driver side, she's an amazing story as well. Liz has had a rapid and impressive ascent up the motor racing ladder. In just two full seasons of international racing, Liz became the most successful female driver ever in the history of the American Le Mans Series. That's America's most prestigious sports car racing series for those of you who don't know much about race car driving, like me. Anyway, with many wins to her credit, Liz has arguably become one of the most successful drivers in the history of racing. And welcome to Liz. Well, hi, Liz, and welcome back to Stable Scoop. It's been since March since we had you on, and a lot has happened in your life, judging by the press releases that I get constantly. Yeah, no, it's been really, really busy, and um, thanks for having me back. I'm sure we have a lot to talk about. I know. Well, where do we want to start? Let's start with, uh, because I know this audience wants to hear about the horse side of things, so we'll start with racing, um, and then we'll get to the horses. <laughs> you did some announcing at, Le- was it Le Mans this year? It was, yeah. I've done um, commentary for Eurosport TV for the last two years at Le Mans 24 Hours, which which is fantastic, but obviously I'd rather be in a car right, exactly. <laughs> having done the race. But, but, you know, it is great to be there, and, you know, I get to be a part of the race, and I still get to, to be at the track as well. You know, I do get to go to France and be a part of it, and, um, you know, I've had a lot of fun, and, yeah, I really enjoy it, and I think it's a fantastic alternative. At least I'm still there, and I'm still a part of the racing. So do you enjoy doing the announcing or, you know, I know you'd rather be in the car, but is that something you enjoy anyway? Yeah, no, I really do enjoy it. I mean, you know, I get to sit up there and talk endlessly, which is something I'm pretty good at. (laughs) Um, You You want a job on a podcast? We can get you a job weekly there, Liz. (laughs) Awesome. I'm good at talking. (laughs) um, No, no, I really do enjoy it. And and I get to work with some really great people. I've gotten to be good friends with the people I've worked with. And, you know, I get to see everybody in the pit still. And it keeps me a part of it, even when, you know, I don't maybe have the finances to do the racing. So at least I'm still in the loop, if you know what I mean. And, and I hope that one day that'll help, you know, lead me back into it a bit more. Did you do is any? That what, is ahead, that what ahead. led you to this particular gig is that you just sort of had found yourself with some downtime, but 
I mean, how did it come about? How did the, the commentary thing come about? Um, well, I had done a bit of work for CBS Sports in America. Um, I did I did some pit reporting there, and I'd, I'd done some work for Motors TV in England. And um, I just knew a few people sort of who were involved with Eurosport. And it just sort of one thing led to another type thing. And suddenly I found myself being, being asked if I wanted to do the coverage if I wasn't racing. And um, at the last minute in 2008, it came about that I didn't have a drive. And so... I sort of found myself up in the uh, commentary box instead of on the racetrack. And um, that's, uh, luckily, that went well. And they've sort of said, you know, they're happy to have me back each year, really. So that's, uh, that's a great alternative, like I say. Cool. You, did you get uh, to I do any? And... Sorry, Glenn, go ahead. I was just going to ask if you got to do any driving this year at all. I haven't really, unfortunately, which is really depressing. But, um, you know, I've had to sort of face reality about, you know, finances. And also I've, I've had a lot of horses come into, uh, into my stable, so to speak. Um, so I've had a really busy horse here, which is not a bad thing. And um, I'm hoping to possibly be testing a car, actually, in the next month or so. I have been offered, you know, a couple tests. So hoping to do that and maybe put something together for next year. But, you know, I've had to be a bit realistic about... You know, I've had options to drive, but I've had to be realistic about finances and about sponsors. And I've been lucky to have some great sponsors for my riding this year. So I've sort of said, well, this is just the way reality is. And, you know, I'm lucky to have the horses and the rides, and I'm just going to roll with that this year. Has sponsorship tightened up on the racing side, too? Yeah, I think, you know, the recessions really hit racing really hard because it is so expensive, as you can imagine. And, um, you know, we've had a, a majorly reduced amount of people on the grid this year and a lot of teams have dropped out. It's been it's been really, really hard on sports car racing and, and I'm sure on any racing. But, you know, certainly it's made it difficult for big companies to sponsor drivers, as you can imagine. So it's not been as easy to find big sponsors and you know, I think that's just oh, that's just the reality of it all happening to us, isn't it? Well, yeah, and I know that with NASCAR, the, sp- the major sponsors will will have to put up ten, twenty million dollars to sponsor a car. And oh my! Oh, it's big. Yeah, it's it's oh major money. I mean, it's yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not small change. And um, you know, it wouldn't be those sort of sums for me, but it's still a lot of money. I mean, it's still it's still a big yeah. load of money. So right. you know, I can sort of understand you know, why companies aren't really getting involved like they were a few years ago. And, you know, like I say, a lot of us have just had to sort of accept the reality of that and thought, well, we'll try and keep our, ourselves in it and, you know, stay involved and, and hopefully things will come back our way. And, and I do hope to be driving at Le Mans next year. Do you All right, but to... in the... Go ahead, Helena. In the meantime... You've got some horses, like you said, coming into your stable. Let's. Um, I'm sorry, Glenn. I can't wait to talk about I the know, horse you stuff. Want to talk I have about to go horses. into it. <laughs> I'm a geek. I want to talk about cars. <laughs> well, we're totally a geek. But you know, as as we do for a lot of our interviewees, I usually have their website up while we're talking, whatever. And I'm looking at your eventing galleries, and I'm just starting to drool because I want to talk about some of these fences that you're going over and your horses and <laughs> what your program is and, and all that. So, how many horses do you have in your stable right now? Um, I've got nine that I'm riding, and I've got two others who belong to um, the man who owns the property of the amazing new yard that I'm renting. So I've got and 11 in total, so it's a lot. <laughs> that's, that nine is a lot to, to be riding all yourself. Um, what are their, where are they in, in their careers, and, and you know, is it, does it range from novice to advanced? What do you have there? Yeah, I mean, I've had a really educational year, actually. I've ended up with a, with a lot of, you know, sort of young horses or horses that are 
sort of just getting into eventing, actually. Um, you know, they always say, all my friends say it goes in waves. One year you'll have nothing but intermediate and advanced sources. The next year you've got nothing but novice sources. Well, it's been a bit like one of those waves for me this year. Um, my advanced, One of my advanced sources has only been back in work for sort of the last three events of the season. And um, other than that, I've, I've been lucky to um, – I've, I've bought a couple of young horses myself um, sort of for projects. And um, one of them has gone amazingly. My four-year-old has um, managed to be to finish fifth in the Young Horse Championships in Britain. So I suppose that makes him the fifth top four-year-old in, in the whole country, which is pretty cool. And it was that um, Baloo? Yeah, that's Baloo. Yeah, okay. he's massive, but he's lovely. <laughs> he's, he's, I'm hoping he'll be my badminton horse one day. And he's a big um, guy, He's huge for a four-year-old. Yeah, he just turned four in June, and he's 17 hands already. Wow. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, he's a big boy, but he's very, very cool and very laid-back, chilled-out, cool horse. I bought him in April, and um, I'm really pleased I did. Is he's he just been a fabulous horse to have. Warm blood or what? No, he's Irish, actually. But, I mean, you know, they say Irish, but, I mean, such a mix nowadays. I mean, he's got French in his blood, and he's got Dutch in his background, and um, he's got a bit of everything. But he is registered as an Irish horse, and he's, uh, the, he's got um... the chilled-out Irish brain. <laughs> <laughs> is this the bay with the teeny, tiny, little white star on his forehead? Yes. Yeah, that's him. Yeah, the, the one is... furl. I think there's a photo of him there. Yeah, thank you. It's um, Yeah, he is a big boy. That's some neck, huh? Yeah, he's a big horse. He wouldn't suit everybody, but for a big horse, he's surprisingly balanced, though, especially for for such a baby. I mean, he's just amazing. He looks like a Cadillac. (laughs) Yeah, he's a bit of a Cadillac. I like that. He really is. He sort of cruises along. (laughs) He's a bit like that. Do you you ever compare your horses and and the kind of ride you have to to racing or, or to kinds of cars? Yeah, I do sometimes. I mean, a lot of times you get stuff that's sort of you know, nippy like a sports car, a bit like a Cadillac, like you say, like blue is definitely sort of your standard Cadillac. You know? <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, no, you know, I do sometimes in my head, I definitely would compare them to, to some of the cars I've driven. Definitely. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, no, it's been, it's been a cool year. I've got a few show jumpers as well that I've taken on for, um, for owners and that sort of thing, which is exciting. So I'm branching into that side of my life and I'm, you know, sort of brought on some, who'd never done eventing before. And it's been my first year ever, really, that I've had horses that have never evented before that I've had to sort of teach to do that. So that's that's been a big education for me, and I've really enjoyed that and hoping to do more of it next year. So it's been a while since you rode pre-novice, huh? Yeah, I did sort of a couple <laughs> last year, but that was about it. And then this year it's like, well, back to pre-novice and novice like, all year. <laughs> so, and then I go to an intermediate event, and I'm going, wow, that looks really big. <laughs> I'm thinking that's not good. <laughs> it is funny how quickly they, they start to look bigger. Uh, with the, you know, the, the less you ride them, it, they, they do get to look bigger again. Oh, it's kind of embarrassing, actually. I think about it. I went to do... Um, I did an advanced event uh, back at the end of August. I sort of went just to do the dressage and the show jumping on my on my advanced horse who hasn't done much all year. And I swear, I looked at the show jumping and I went, oh, my God, it's so big. <laughs> like, I was staring at it going, really? <laughs> Has it gotten bigger this year? My trainer's going, no, Liz, it's the same height it was when you did it back last year. <laughs> it just looks huge because I've been, you know, doing novice all year. So it's been, it's been a bit eye-opening on that side of it. But, um, you know, I'm looking forward to next year and I'm hoping to... Uh, have you know possibly maybe a new advanced horse in if I can find one and um, my other two should be up and running so it'll all be a bit more evened out next year we hope. 
So what's I'd your? Love to, well, go sorry, ahead, Kalina. No, I'd love ahead. to know how you squeeze nine rides in. Do you, do you do them all in one day, or do you break it up over the week? Um, I mean, you'd be surprised. They don't usually all need to be sort of schooled or jumped every day, especially event horses, because they have got so much fitness work they do. And, you know, a lot of days, you know, one will have galloped or something, so it's hacking. So, you know, that's where it comes down to the help that I have. And and a few people can hack them for me, or I have a lot of my horses do lunging because it's really good for them. And I've got a few horses that are a bit tricky and things like that. So it's nice for them to not have a rider on them every day. Um, So it sort of works out that, you know, I don't usually ride more than sort of six or seven a day generally. But uh, but the ninth one just came in not that long ago. That was about a month ago, sort of, to finish off the season. So, um, yeah, I've had the odd day where I've ridden eight or nine, but normally it doesn't sort of end up being as crazy as it sounds. <laughs> <laughs> now, where are you located? Uh, you said you're at a new place in England? You have a new barn? Yeah, I've just... Yeah, I've just started renting a place that's amazing. I mean, people are calling it sort of the best facility in the southeast of England, which is pretty cool. Um, it's brand new. It's in a place called Chelwood Gate, which is in East Sussex. Um, and, yeah, it's totally incredible. It's when it's all finished. It's not even finished yet. That's how new it is. <laughs> um, it's going to have room for about 50 horses. I'm renting a 12-stable American-style barn, sort of with my own tack room and everything in it. Um, we have a full cross country course, an indoor school, a huge outdoor school, a six horse walker, wow. you know, 165 acres. I mean, it's insane. 165 so I'm feeling... acres in England is pretty big too. Yeah, it's yeah. big. It was an old dairy farm. So that's why it's got so much space. But, um, yeah, it's been a, a, been something that's been in the works for a long time and I'm just really, really excited to have a piece of it. And isn't I mean? that the part of England that never rains? I'm being sarcastic. There's no that part of England that never rains. <laughs> I was about to say that. No, I have to say, though, we've had, like, the driest September and October oh, ever. Really? So that's why I sort of stopped for a minute and went, well, maybe we are. <laughs> no, but, but it's currently raining now, so no. Helena's from New right England. Uh, Helena's up in the Boston, New Rhode Island area now, and it's been raining there for, like, a week, hasn't it? Uh, yeah, it, yeah, it just oh, stopped. Lovely. It seems to rain. It, we had a, a nor'easter. Yeah, and it rained buckets and buckets it and buckets. It snowed, actually, in parts oh, yeah. of uh, New England. It did. Already. It did. Up in, in my old neighborhood, they had some snow that stuck to the ground. It's way too Oh, my gosh, that. already? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's that's how depressing. <laughs> it is, isn't it? <laughs> so tell us about well, some of the horses. I'm going back to California next week. So. Are you? There you <laughs> Take go. me with you. Yeah, I am, yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you, Las Vegas last week was beautiful, 85 degrees and sunny every day. Oh, nice. Don't tell me that now. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, back to horses, right? Yeah, tell us about, uh, what other ones do you have hopes for advance someday? Is there, is there another one that's beside uh, Baloo that really stands out? Um, well, I've got Donovan, who was the one who was second in Portugal, if you remember. Yep. Um, yep. And he's still, he's still going to be cool. He had a, a couple months of, of not much, really, because he ended up with some muscle damage back in June. And then he injured himself in his stable on top of that. So that was a nightmare. So he actually didn't run from June up until this Saturday. And I got him back out on Saturday and ran around a pre-novice just to get him up and running. And he won that. So that was cool. Um, so he's he's back up and running. But obviously, we're at the end of our season. So I sort of got him out, ran around a pre-novice. And that was about it. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but no, he felt fabulous. So I might take him back to Portugal next year. And then I'm hoping he'll do a two-star um, next year and then go on to advanced. I've always sort of believed that he would be a super horse. Um, I've still got Oscar, who hasn't done much this year, um, sadly, due to the injury he received um, the year before. But 
he's hopefully going to be back up and running for the spring and doing three star again. And I hope to maybe have him at four star by 2011. So, and I've got Foxy who's still kicking on and running and he's my three star horse. So I've got a few that are already up there. And then, um, you know, mainly I'm just going to be looking to actually get another one, I hope, because I've got a few horses that are owned by people that I have in to sell on. So I'm hoping if I can sort of sort that out, then I can um, possibly find myself another fun, exciting prospect. So what's been your That's dream? What's, what's your dream ride? Is it badminton, burly, Rolex? You know, is there a dream ride that you've always wanted to do, that ride, you know, you've always wanted to take? Well, I think for any event rider, badminton is always, you know, yeah. the big pinnacle of eventing, isn't it? I mean, certainly yeah. as a kid, I remember watching it on TV, and, and then when I first came to England and I went to Babington, it was like being at the Olympics. Right, <laughs> it was, you know, it was right. such a big deal, because, you know, growing up in California, Babington is so far away, and now it's, you know, a couple hours in a car. Um, so, I mean, that that for me is still the pinnacle, but I have to say that Kentucky is is a really big goal for me, and, and I actually really wanted to do Kentucky this year. And um, unfortunately, my, my horse that I took to the three-star in Holland last year came back with some injuries we didn't know he had, so he wasn't able to. But that was that was sort of my plan. This time last year, I was saying, I want to go to Kentucky in 2009. Uh, and actually, I went to the inaugural four-star as a spectator back in 1998. Hmm. And um, I sort of at that moment thought, I really want to be here one day. So um, it's an event that I've, that I've always really wanted to do, and, and I really wanted to do it this year. And unfortunately, my, um, my horse that I had as a three-star this time um, last year came back with an injury, so I wasn't able to go. But initially, that was sort of my plan. And I remember speaking to Buck Davidson when we were at Bookalo together last year. I was stable next to him, and he was saying, oh, Rolex, such an amazing event, and you should come and do that as your first four-star. And I was really fired up and really hoping I could be there this year. But, you know, never know. Hopefully in the next couple of years I can make the trip. Well, we want to see you too. You know we do the eventing radio show as well here on the Horse Radio Network, so we want to see you over here. Yeah, that would be so cool, wouldn't it? It'd be neat to just come back. It's been 10 years. I could come and, like, actually turn up and have a chat. <laughs> hey, you know what? I wanted to ask you, too. Are you going to make your way over to watch uh, at, for the WAG? Uh, I'd love to. I don't know if I can, but I would really love to because, obviously, you know, having an American passport, that bit's easy. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, but, um, if you do come over, let us know. We'd love to get you on because we also do the World Equestrian Games show. So, um, Oh, cool. We'd love to get you on for a couple minutes and – you know, it's. Do you know Boyd Martin at all? You know Boyd. Oh, I don't think I do. No, I don't think so. Okay, I was just curious. He's he. I've actually resigned from the eventing radio show as the co-host now. And Boyd, who is an Australian rider turned American, he rides with Philip right. Dutton's barn here in Pennsylvania. And, oh, okay. And uh, he is now taking over the co-host. He just won uh, Fairhill actually last week. Um, oh, cool! Wow. So he's actually him. taking over as co-host for uh, for the show, and he's quite a character. That should be a lot of fun. So don't be surprised if they call you from the eventing radio show sometime to get you on as well. Oh, I'd love them to. I'd love yeah. them to. You know me; I like to talk. <laughs> <laughs> so, that, so, uh, so we're we're hoping for badminton one day, maybe not next year, but the following. Yeah, hopefully. Um, you know, originally I'd sort of hoped that it would be a next year thing, but with, with Oscar out of play this year, I think that's sort of fallen by the wayside, sadly. But, um, you know, I definitely have, have you know, aspirations for 2011, and, you know, I still have, you know, hopes for the Olympic Games and all that. And I, th- I think this year, you know, although I've not had many running in advance this year, I have actually learned a lot, and I think my riding skills have gotten better, having had so many green horses and inexperienced horses. And, you know, I hope that maybe I'm I'm sort of upping my way, 
to the top by education rather than always being at the, at the top level this year. So at least that's the, what I'm telling myself to, to not be depressed about it. Well, you know, that happens to every eventer, though. You go through, you're right. You do go through those phases where you have horses that are you know, advanced and then you, you're basically starting over. You, you almost have to do it every, every couple of years. Uh, yeah, you know, if you get lucky, you have an advanced horse always going. But but that's you know that that that's uh, further between than than common, I, I think. In event, yeah, it's just you've frustrating. got to have so many, I think, to have one. Yeah, it is frustrating. It's really difficult because you sort of think, oh, it's all going great. And you know, last year I had you know two or three horses that were running at three star level, and it was amazing. And I thought, oh, this is all going forward. And then before you know it, none of them are functioning, <laughs> and you're thinking, well. There you go. <laughs> That's the other thing about course. horses. If they just would stop getting hurt, you would have this problem. I know. If we could transplant the legs, it would be a lot easier. <laughs> I'm waiting for the day when I have to. Just put a new one on. <laughs> exactly. Stick the new one on, carry on. <laughs> so now, have you ever had any desire? You're from California originally. You said you're going back there soon. I assume going back to, to do you still have family there? Yes, yeah, my parents still live there, so um, my partner and I are going back to see them next week, which will be really nice. Any desire to move back, or are you, you, you you stuck in England now? Well, you know, I think if the eventing scene was a bit better in California, then I, I would go back, because I do miss it, and I miss the weather, and, you know, you know, I love seeing all my family out there, but... I don't know. I think, to be honest, if I headed back to the U.S., it'd have to be to the East Coast, um, unless I wasn't eventing anymore. But I, I do think I will end up back in the U.S. soon, um, in another sort of few years. But I told myself I'll wait till 2012, and um, then well, yeah, maybe you I'll have the I'll Olympics right down the street from you. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I think uh, I think I'm going to need to get my horses up and running and staying in one piece pretty soon if I want to make that one. But. Um, you know, you never know, and um, I do think I will go back eventually, though. Um, but I do think it'll probably be the East Coast. Is well, it easy yeah. to get around to travel to, to shows and events um, in England? I'm thinking it might be easier there than it is here in the U.S. Oh my gosh, yeah, like so big much difference. Easier. Uh, yeah, I mean that's why people come here, isn't it? Because we've got so many events happening in so many places all the time that it's easy enough. You know, I can go and do an advanced event that's you know, an hour or two away and do all three phases in one day and be home that evening, which would be absolutely impossible to do in California. Mm-hmm. I mean, you couldn't do it. And even on even on the East Coast, I think it's difficult to do. Uh, yeah, to we'll honest. still drive eight, ten oh, hours definitely. to an event. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, eight or ten hours for us is like the north of Scotland. Yeah, you'd be <laughs> in the water me. by then. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. And, and nobody would do it. I mean, it would have to be for a three-day event. You just wouldn't – you wouldn't do that for a one-day event ever. I mean, we'll go to France or Holland or all that for three days, but for a one-day event, I mean, most people won't want to go much further than four hours, maybe. Yeah, I remember a lot <laughs> of mornings waking up at two in the morning, heading out by three, and getting home at seven or eight or nine that night. Uh, mm, yeah, yeah. I've done a of few of those this year. I have to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, I did. Yeah, it gets old. <laughs> yeah, no, you get you get ready for the end of the season. <laughs> I had a few of those in a row recently, and I was kind of like, you know, I'm kind of ready for the season to be over. <laughs> you know, so when you're getting you up at winter? three. What do you do over the winter? You're just working the horses and, and that kind of thing, or do you have other things that you do racing-wise? Or? <clears throat> well, I've actually got a lot more horses. Like I say, I've got a lot of horses that are sort of young and, you know, still learning and stuff in in my yard at the moment. So I'm going to have more horses in work than I would normally. Um, and I will do, I am planning to do quite a lot of show jumping and dressage this year. I've decided I'm going to do a lot of that through the winter and 
really get myself nailed down on those phases, you know, in, in the off season, because I think that's really important. Um, so I'm going to work on my weaknesses and do a lot of training. But, you know, I'm going to also try and work on the racing side of things. I'd like to do some more with the media and some more commentary. So I'm going to look into that, see what I can nail down for next year. And, um, you know, I'm hoping to do a bit of work for Porsche as well, which was something I was looking into earlier in the year. So, yeah, just going to try and stay busy, really. We shouldn't be too hard with a with a new place to look after and all of that. So I don't well, think I'll have any trouble. Yeah, I'm just tired listening to everything that you have to do in a day. <laughs> but it's fun. I mean, you love it, yeah. and so your your passion and your, your love for it motivates you to, you know, to go at all hours and all speeds. Yeah, I mean, I'm lucky to have the opportunity, I think, is the way I look at it. So if, if you don't embrace that and give it everything you have, yeah, I think I think anybody would be crazy not to do that, right? Absolutely. So what's your next upcoming event? Well, I've just literally done uh, Tweezledown last weekend, and I've withdrawn from Alden, which is this weekend, and that's sort of the last event of the year. Um, I've withdrawn because, really, the horses I'd entered, they don't really need the run. Um, they're young, and and they're you know feeling a bit tired, I think, from the, from the season. And they all had a good run last time, so I've just decided not to go to that. And um I might go show jumping um, on Sunday, and then I'm going to head back to America for a week and sort of recharge, <laughs> and um, then on onwards to the winter, really, which is going to be, I'm hoping to find a new horse, hoping to sell a few horses, hoping to do lots of show jumping, lots of dressage, and um, yeah, like I say, just sort of hone my skills and hopefully come back bigger and stronger next year. Right, well, being be. being a geek, I want to see you back in the car next year too. Okay. Oh, me too. If you can find me one, let me know. I mean, no, I'm I'm hoping to maybe test something soon, and um, you know, there, there's there's options for me to to race. That's not been the problem. It's mainly just just a financial thing, and um, I think that's going to be the biggest push: fi- finances and time. But you know, hopefully by next year, I'll have I have a good lineup of staff and be able to find myself some big sponsors and be back in one because, uh, trust me, it's killed me this year. It's not been nice. <laughs> well, I don't think the Horse Radio Network's quite ready for a spot on your hood. Um... <laughs> that would be pretty cool, though. <laughs> that would be cool. <laughs> we, might, we, might be, we might be able to find a spot on your saddle pad. But, uh... Okay, yeah. Well, yeah that, you know, there's more space on the front of a car, though, really. <laughs> I tell you, the, the saddle pad's pretty limited. would look awesome there. You'd have the goofiest logo. <laughs> The track. <laughs> well, I'll tell you That'd what. That would be cool. Yeah, the little stable scoop guy would be uh, interesting there, that's for sure. Well, I'll tell you what, if I, if I do Le Mans next year and you get me your logo, I'll put a little sticker on the car. Oh, that'll be great. I will. I oh, swear I'll do it for you. <laughs> I will. Logo on there. Everybody would be going, what the heck is that? <laughs> yeah, no, I can't promise a big one, but I can definitely put one on there for you. That's oh, okay. We'll so take we'll, a, we'll a four-inch four by four-inch going at, what, well, 200 miles you know an what hour? Is, We're going to have to go over there and cheer her on. Hey. You guys are going to have to come to, to you know, Le Mans now. Really? Yeah, exactly. A little French trip. Oh, that'd be fun. It's a nice time of year in France. I, know I would do it. I would do it in a heartbeat. Well, do you want to put in a plug for your sponsors here, for your horse sponsors? Yeah, absolutely. I just want to say, um, obviously, thank you to Nupafeed, who's out in America now and doing really well out here, which is fantastic. Um, they've been great, great sponsors to me. Quantum Saddles as well is working their way over there. Um, and Equine Superstore is an internet uh, source over here, which has been brilliant. And also for Performance Strength, thank you very much to all of them. Well, that's great. Well, thanks to you guys for having me on again. Yeah, no Our problem. Pleasure. It's LizHalliday.com. You can see pictures of her uh, riding in both on both modes of transportation. Um, <laughs> one's a little bluer than the other. 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> is that your color blue for the race car? You always blue. Uh, well, that particular one was. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm, I don't mind as long as it's fast and it has four wheels. I don't really care what color it is. I was just <laughs> glad it wasn't pink. I really was. I, and me. Yeah. yeah. No, uh, I wouldn't be down with pink. Yeah. Got to be honest. <laughs> Well, thank you very much, Liz. It's been great talking to you. Will you come back again to maybe beginning of next season? Absolutely. I would love to. And if you get over here to to Lexington, let me know, all right? I will do. I will. Absolutely. If I can make it there, you'll be first on my list to be able to call. Well, I'd love to meet you in person. Absolutely. Thanks very much, guys. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Well, it's always fun to talk to Liz, Helena, and both of them, Cassandra and Liz. Uh, you know, Liz just has an amazing story, and let's hope she gets back in a car next year. It sounds like she's really itching to go 200 miles an hour again. <laughs> and you know what's funny is that my husband said to me, he said, what's the show topic for this week? And I said, oh, we're having two of our um, extreme horsewomen uh, back. And he said, oh, I guess they made it through the year. <laughs> Good comment, actually. I said, yeah, that's an important point. <laughs> Both in one piece, too, so I guess yeah. that's good. <laughs> that's funny. All right. Well, I wanted to mention, too, that we had some other exciting things happen uh, this past week. Uh, while I was out in Vegas on the other shows that we do, the Dressage Radio Show actually set a new record for the Horse Radio Network uh, in downloads in one week, and that, that was because Isabel Worth was on. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to listen to Isabel Worth's interview with Chris on the Dressage Radio Show, go take a listen to last. Go to dressageradio.com. Of course, Isabel has been, you know, the, the leader in dressage for years. And she was recently suspended for a doping violation. And she speaks candidly about that as well as she's nine months pregnant. So she talks about that as well. But which she helps, does, it, which she, helps to your candor. Yeah. And she also, exactly. <laughs> And she also speaks about the German Federation and how she feels about them. She didn't let, she pretty much let it all out. So uh, take a listen. She, this is an exclusive interview. As far as we know, she hasn't done another audio interview. She was very excited to be able to get her side of the story out. She speaks very good English, so there won't be any problem with you understanding her at all. Uh, but t- so take a listen to that. I think it's worth listening to. And then also this week is this week, uh, yesterday, we put out the first show with the new co-host of the eventing radio show. It was Boyd Martin was on. He's mm-hmm. going to be one of two new co-hosts with, uh, uh, on the eventing radio show. And Boyd just happened to win Fairhill Event last week, which mm-hmm. is a very large event. So he came off a win and spoke all about Fairhill, and it also poured there and was a mess. Yeah. So he talks about that in, in this week's show, and Boyd really makes his debut as co-host. So, All right. Yeah, I'm very excited about that. He he had a quote. Uh, the U.S. Eventing did an article on uh, the USEA. Did you see that? <laughs> I did. My God, they shredded the poor guy up. I mean. Well, Come they, on. they had an article on there, and he basically came out and said he's going to ask all the tough questions, look out anybody he interviews. So yeah. that should add some excitement to the eventing radio show. That's perfect. That's that's perfect for the Horse Radio Network. That's what we're all about. <laughs> we are not Chris, about she, She's going to have her hands full with Boyd. <laughs> <laughs> Chris can handle it. She's been around for a long time. Yes. <laughs> all right, so take a listen to both of those, and you can find all our other shows at horseradionetwork.com. And I wanted to mention somebody I met just real quick, and then we'll wrap up the show out at the expo. And it's a show, it's a podcast that you listen to, and that's Grammar Girl. Love her. <laughs> and you can go to, I think it's grammargirl.com, and she does a podcast where she talks about grammar every week, right? Is it weekly? 
Yes. I think it's weekly. She puts out a show, and she talks about grammar. She has become one of the most successful podcasters in the history of podcasting with this show where she just gives grammar tips. But what happened is it got picked up early by Oprah, and she ended up on the Oprah show. Then she got a book deal to put all of her tips together in a book. And, yeah. and now she has a complete network of tips. She has a whole network that she's developed doing different kinds of tips in different, different genres. And she, she's been on the morning show. She has been, become a celebrity. And so I got to speak to her for about 20 minutes because I designed Horse Tip Daily after her shows. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I got to speak with her about that. And, you know, she's just a lovely person. You know, she comes across that way in the show. Uh, I'm so glad to hear that she's just as nice in person because I hate to hear it when somebody's a total dink you know, in real life, you know? <laughs> she spent 20 minutes with me, and she didn't have to do that, you know? That's and, awesome. And it was very nice to speak with her, and, you know, she's kind of one of the heroes of podcasting now because she is making a very good living doing it. So someday we might, too, Helena. <laughs> she was – I remember when I first was like, what is this podcasting thing? And um, – I, I actually I found Grammar Girl through NPR because I have to say NPR was one of the the um, the leaders in podcasting. Yes. Yep. And uh, you know a couple of years ago, and that was how I found the Grammar Girl show. And I would religiously download um, her shows from iTunes, you know, and you subscribe through iTunes. And I would you know walk or run, and and I'd be listening to Grammar Girl on my my iPod thinking I am a total geek what is this new technology and does the rest of the world know about this well you know it's funny you wouldn't think that the show about grammar would be any fun but she makes it fun she does make it fun yeah it's not boring or dry it really isn't it she makes it fun and that's the reason she's built a whole network around it yeah Uh, she's done a great job with it so uh so it was nice thank you uh thank you to grammar girl for spending time with me Well, you can find all of our show notes at StableScoop.com. You can give us feedback uh, by sending us an email or a voicemail, and you can do that right through our website there. And don't forget to sign up. Go right now and sign up for the giveaway for all that great mouse and horse stuff donated by EquestrianCollections.com. Go sign up now. We, we, We want you to have a chance to win. And that's now through Halloween. Do that. Well, Helena, I think we've about wrapped it up. That's all the time we have. Another show down the drain. I mean, in the can. No, another show in the can. In the can. Whoops. (laughs) Down the drain. I have no business being in podcasting. That's right. Well, we we keep you here anyway because you're fun. Thank you. And thank you, everybody, for listening. We love uh, the feedback that we get. So please keep it coming. Well, thank you, everybody. Thank you for keeping Stable Scoop as the number one show on the Horse Radio Network. And Helena, we'll see you again next week as we'll be here with The Scoop. (laughs) 